0: How many people set their uh, clocks back one hour and are glad to be in the house of the Lord? Say amen. amen. See, Earl, I told you I'd get an amen. <laughs> I got called, as Gerald said, on short notice to do this sermon. An idea came to me for a title, and I said, I've got to figure out how to get a sermon in a couple of days together, so y'all bear with me, give me some grace. The title of the sermon is, I Know But... And that means, well you'll see, but it means that sometimes the Lord calls us to do things and we go, "Hey, I know Lord, I know that's right, but I want to do something else. And we're going to talk about some examples and some things to do. Um, we do have some scripture. A lot of this message is taken from Philippians 2, 12 through 16, here on the screen. I want to start out, you would think that obedience to God Would be easy. After all, God made the whole universe. He knows things work far better than we do. So when He tells us to do something, we have confidence it's going to be good for the long term. God, the Son, took on human body and died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins, rising from the dead to prove it. And He loves us more than anyone in the world. And we can be confident that what He asks us to do comes from a heart of love. And God, obviously, can see everything. He's above time and everyone's thoughts. So anything He asks us to do, He knows that we are capable of doing it. So when we hear a command from God, that should always provide some positivity in our lives and protect us from a lot of the negatives that we have going on in our world. And you would think that obedience... To one so wise and so loving and so powerful would be just so easy to do, but as we all know, it's, it's hard to do. And because my mother-in-law is a Dallas Cowboys fan, I thought I'd throw this story in to put some perspective here. Roger Stallback. Um, he was a famous quarterback in the Dallas Cowboys, led them to a lot of victories way back in the early 70s. And Tom Landry was the coach, and Tom is the Hall of Famer. He was really good, and Coach Landry called all the plays, and Roger admitted that it started to bug him that he couldn't call his own plays when he wanted to. He had to obey the coach, so when the coach said pass, you got to pass. When he said run, you got to run, and only in an emergency situation was he allowed to change the play, and it had better be right. And even though Roger considered Coach Landry to have a real genius mind when it comes to football strategy, his own pride said that he should be able to run the team the way he wanted to. And that's kind of like how we are. God may be smarter and wiser and better equipped to call the plays of life, but there is something in each of us that still thinks that we should be in control. But there's actually more to this story. As Roger said he faced up to the issue of obedience. He said, once I learned to obey, there was harmony, fulfillment, and victory. And obedience to God doesn't bring disaster, long-term loss, or loss of freedom. It brings what our hearts truly long for. And I'm going to make this proposition to you that as hard as it seems, obeying the Lord is always worth the effort. In fact, God is actively working inside of each and every one of you And He wants for you to overcome sin and obey His Word. If we look in our Bibles, uh, Philippians chapter 2 verse 12 says, Therefore, my friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And this shows... Christians were already obeying Jesus as you have already obeyed, as it mentions in the Scripture. True Christians show evidence of obeying God. And this obedience is not to impress someone. They didn't just obey when Paul was around to watch them. They obeyed. And they obeyed Jesus at all times. And we should remember that. Whether we're by ourselves or we're in a room of a thousand people, that God is always watching And true Christians show evidence of obeying God. But it's important to remember, we're not all perfect. There was one perfect man. But we're choosing to obey rather than go our own way. Our focus in life is, yes Lord, what do you want me to do? And we're regularly willing to fight that inward battle between what we naturally want to do and what Jesus wants us to do. And so there is the part, as you have always obeyed. Here, Paul is excited, thankful, and joyful about what they are doing in their lives. So like the prayer of joy, he encourages more and deeper obedience of how beneficial it is to people and churches to honor God. And these are not instructions because Christians are messing up. They're instructions because they're doing great. When we have a heart to obey God, we want to do better. And Jesus wants us to know his approval even though we're not near perfection he's going to develop that eventual perfection in us when we're in heaven and we've got to accept these words and challenges today out of a joy that comes from pleasing God and being victorious over our sinful ways and this is not where we want to stay but to get to the next step in our Christian growth we've got to grow to a place of victory and success And as I said, a lot of us, this is where we are today. Our Heavenly Father isn't an impossible taskmaster. He's He's not a person who's finding fault in what we do. And He's not someone that's impossible to please. The Lord is pleased with our obedience. And we should continue to put our whole heart into obeying Jesus. And also, once again, in verse 12, um, it says we should continue to work out... Our salvation with fear and trembling. Let's break this down a little bit and clear up some questions that I know I had when I was studying this and maybe you do too. The word continue means you're already doing this. There's more evidence of the pleasure of Jesus. Continue also points to our need to keep doing it. Obedience isn't something we reach at a certain level and then we just sit back and relax and hey, it's all good. We have to continue to strive to be more like Christ. And workout means the intentionality and the effort we put into obeying Jesus. It's not something that's natural to do and it sometimes doesn't come easy. Just like Stallback, there's part of us that we want to do what we want to do. And that's instead of what God wants us to do. And we say, I know Lord, but... And we should never expect that Christian life to be easy. There's going to be good times. There's going to be bad times. But we know that we're never, ever alone. Also, uh, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. What this speaks about is the role of the fear of God in our obedience. Fear and trembling refers to real fear, not a mere awe or deep respect Because as true Christians, our fear is not of God Himself or a fear that He's upset with us for something He's done. The biblical fear of God means a deep, overwhelming fear we should feel when we start to flirt with sin or rationalize our disobedience. We want to fear uh, to come into play around temptation instead of running from it. And God has designed that to help us be more victorious in life. There's another question that may come up in this final part of verse 12 where it says continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. The Bible clearly teaches that our salvation doesn't come from works or what we do. Salvation only comes from the grace of God. And salvation is a free gift that Jesus paid on that cross when He died in our place so our sins can be forgiven. We cannot earn our way into heaven or even salvation. We can only receive it through faith. And that's by repenting of our sins, believing in Jesus, and surrendering to God's ways, He stated in the Bible. So how do we work out our salvation? The easiest way to explain this is to note that the New Testament talks about salvation using three different tenses. There's salvation in the past. This is called justification. Salvation, in the past tense, does not come from any effort or work that we do for God. As I just said, it's a free gift we receive in repentance, faith, and surrender. And that's what happens when we come to Jesus Christ initially. Then there is the salvation in the present. This is called sanctification. Salvation in the present tense refers to the remaking of our actions, our attitudes and perspectives to become like those of Jesus Christ and that's something that we put effort into such as our spiritual discipline standing up for Jesus maybe when we're the only person standing for him in that particular situation showing compassion to others and just being generous in our giving and our time and our talents we are so blessed that we have a number of individuals who if you call on them and you need something in this church they're going to hop in and do it we are extremely fortunate But this is also not our effort alone. In fact, on verse 13, God does the heavy lifting. Salvation in the present is what we're talking about here. And lastly, salvation in the future. This is called glorification. Salvation in our future tense is where God remakes our whole by being uh, totally perfect and Christ-like. He also gives us a new indestructible resurrection body that happens in the future after we die and we're called up into rapture at that time we will no longer be tempted by temptation we won't get selfish or wallow in self-pity or have sinful pride rise up ever again so while justification by grace alone through faith alone sanctification is something that we put our human effort in to cooperatively working with the gracious work of God. I'm going to read verse 13 to you. um, For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill His good purpose. So while we are seeking to put this effort into growing as Christians, what Paul wants us to understand in this passage is that God is actually helping us far more than we think or imagine. God is doing an incredible miracle in each of our lives as the Holy Spirit works to help us want to obey Jesus. God works in us to His will and to fulfill His good. Because God doesn't force us to obey, this means we will often feel a battle between what may be fun and popular to do and what really brings joy and happiness in the long term. You know, it's kind of like those cartoons... Y'all remember, like with Looney Tunes, you had the devil sitting on one side and the angel sitting on the other side. And we, I think we have those battles in real life um, because we do have the temptations, the struggles of the world, and God wants us to act in the proper way. Once again, verse 13, For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill His good purpose. The power of God in us is giving us a genuine opportunity for victory. Our environment doesn't determine what we will do. When we're weak, God's power is at work in us. And it's way more than we can imagine. God takes us through those low spots. He doesn't take us to the edge and says, Good luck. We'll see you on the other side. He's right there with us all the way through. And this is uh, some wonderful results of wholeheartedly obeying God. God doesn't want us to settle for ineffective obedience, but to marvel at the wonderful long-term benefits of wholeheartedly obeying God. One of those things in verse 14 is to do everything without grumbling or arguing. And do everything refers to obeying God here. It doesn't refer to doing the dishes or cleaning house, but... A similar thing, I think, could apply here, so parents, please don't get upset. Um, if we're already obeying Jesus, don't mess it up by arguing and grumbling while you're obeying Him. Ineffective obedience. Sometimes we complain, why do I have to do this? you ever done something for Jesus but complained while you're doing it? Alright, Lord. I'm going to do this, but I don't like it. The word grumble here refers to having a bad attitude. We're doing what the Bible commands, but with a bad attitude. Why do I have to do this? Some of us may have even felt that way coming here today. Just, oh, I've got aches and pains, and I really enjoyed that sleep, and I want to keep sleeping. And sometimes we argue, Lord, this isn't fair. This struggle in my life isn't fair. You need to take this away. Or maybe we need to read one of Jesus' commands to sacrifice. But we do it, and we argue, and we struggle. We say, Lord, this isn't fair. Others aren't doing as much as me. How, here again, I know, but, Lord, I know you want me to do something. But i got to work. Cowboys are playing. i gotta, I got priorities in life. And these problems come into our life, and we ask Jesus to take them away because we're tired of the struggle. Arguing when obeying is ineffective obedience. It loses some of the wonderful blessings of wholehearted obedience. And now that Jesus has made it clear in a story, He values obedience with a bad attitude over disobedience with a good attitude. That's not the focus here. We're talking about Christians who are obeying don't lose the fulfillness of that obedience. Another topic I want to touch on is effective obedience. Back to um, Stalback, he learned obedience brings incredibly positive results. In verse 15 of Philippians chapter 2, it says, So that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault, in a warped and crooked generation, then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. That verse kind of helps us transform to be blameless and pure. As humans, we're a mix of positive and negative emotions, thoughts, actions. The Christian life is not about trying to get a little better. No. God is seeking to completely transform us, starting from the inside out. When we obey God's commands, we move this process along. When you choose to honor God this morning, rather than doing your own thing, that obedience unleashed more of that transformation. When you choose to praise God through singing songs and scripture, your obedience helps God's process of making us blameless and pure. When you choose to apply the Bible's teaching to your life in some way, you're moved beyond being nicer to building a godly character inside of you. And when that obedience is wholehearted, positive things are just absolutely incredible. And obedience confirms our standing in God's adopted children, whom He is very pleased with. We are children of God without fault at that point. That isn't perfection though, folks. That's a delight in the Lord in a world that thumbs their nose at God's commands. Our obedience helps us to overcome the negative environment that continually gets louder and louder. We need to be strong in that temptation And do the right thing. Because we are overcomers. Each and every one of us. When we obey God in those little things. We have greater power to overcome that intense pressure. That is all around us every day in our lives. A little story here. There was a governor one day. And he was on the campaign trail. And he was on his second term reelection, And he was out campaigning. And he didn't have a chance to eat. And uh, he stopped in at a church supper. I think about some of our fellowship meals. And the server put one piece of chicken on his plate. And he goes, excuse me, mind if I have another piece of chicken? And the woman told him, I was told to give only one piece of chicken to each person. And the governor says, but I'm starved. And the woman said, I'm sorry. And only one to a customer. And... The governor was normally kind of a quiet guy, but selfishness and envy got to him. And he says, do you know who I am? I'm the governor. I'm important. And she says, do you know who I am? I'm the lady in charge of the chicken. Move along, mister. (laughs) That's the confidence we begin to gain when we obey God. Culture starts trying to pressure us to compromise. And we actually get stronger in our faith when we wholeheartedly obey Jesus. We come to know more of God's pleasure and can claim greater victory over negative environments and stronger inner temptations. In verse 15 it says, Obedience to God is a powerful, steady witness. We shine like those beautiful stars in the darkness of night. We are a witness to Jesus even though our obedience initially frustrates others. In verse 16, it says, As you hold firmly to the word of life, and then I will be able to boast on that day, Christ, that I did not run or labor in vain. Faithful Christians sacrifice for others. When we see someone obey God, whether battling inner temptations, standing strong against society's ungodly practices, or putting in effort against our own sinful habits, then our life becomes so much richer because we have seen God at work. So what inner temptation keeps pressuring you? Is it worth the effort to keep fighting so that you can obey Jesus? What pressure from our society are you tired of because it keeps pressuring you to compromise? Is it worth the effort to keep fighting so that you can obey Jesus? What sinful habit or attitude do you sometimes give in to? Is it worth the effort to keep fighting so that you can obey Jesus? The long-term blessings clearly indicate they are far more than we can imagine. And folks, we aren't alone in this battle. God is working in us and through us if we'll just obey Him and His Word. We should feel God's pleasure And what we obey today, we're being transformed. And absolutely to God be the glory. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we don't know the future, but You do. Lord, help us to have that faith and that confidence that we will get through this trying time in our lives, whether on an individual basis, For with this church, we know you will be here to guide us each step of the way every single day. Lord, just give us that confidence. Keep us safe. And thank you for all the many blessings that you provide to each and every one. In our son's holy name we pray. Amen.